0: The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the Internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. It's top of the hour, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on Thursday, August the 4th. it's be a fun show today. It's middle of summer. It's hot as hell here in uh, Toronto, capital of Earth. Um, Dave, how are things out there on the West Coast in Victoria?
2: You know, we've got uh, about the same day that you do there, probably a little a uh, uh, little cooler um, than what you get over, uh, over out east, but beautiful, uh, beautiful, beautiful day, probably sitting about, uh, well, it's going to head up to about 25, 26 degrees here, so for our friends uh, south of the border, that's uh, somewhere in the low to mid-80s. And uh yeah, just uh, just a fantastic day. Fantastic, fantastic show coming days. up.
1: And pardon me? You just don't want to work on days like today, eh? It's so hard to get your to get to focus your attention.
2: Yeah, that's when I'm actually glad that I don't really have windows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, keep no them all doubt. keep them all blacked out and stuff like that just to you know, helps not look out longingly and go, I can think of other things I would rather be doing. Um, uh, I am
1: looking at a gorgeous green neighborhood, wish I could go out and play right now, but uh, we got a great show. We have a, a, a fun guest coming up in about 10 minutes, Sean Rorick, the coordinator and chair of Digital World Expo, a conference happening at the Mirage in Las Vegas, September 25th to 27th. We're going to have Sean on in a few minutes, but one of the things about summer is in the news world, it gets to be like silly season. Not a lot happens. Everyone's on vacation, or they're all zoned out on vitamin D from the sun or something. And uh, I don't got a lot of news this week. The, the the best I could find, the best I could find is the patent war going down between Google and, uh, well, the consortium that bought all the uh, Nortel patents. I think it's kind of funny.
2: <laughs> well, you, you do always have to kind of love... Uh well, you know what? I like patent stuff, uh, pretty much anything involved in it, because I like the buying and selling of technologies. Um, and and you, you just have to love um, when, when, when giants fight.
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's not even when giants fight. I mean, it's, like, it's when giants fight like sissies. That's when it gets really funny. Because this isn't like a fight. This is um, my patent collection bigger than your patent collection, so don't you dare try this method, because we got that covered over here. Now, it's all about controlling the mobile market. Um, And Cindy Crum, who is probably flying back from Asia as we speak, so she's probably not listening live, but Cindy Crum must be loving this. Um, The mobile world is rapidly becoming the web as most users know it. So control of portable devices is going to be as important as control of the desktop was in the early part of the century, in, in, in the last decade.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, a consortium made of Apple, Oracle, um, Microsoft, and, and, and a few others, whose, whose names I'm uh, unfortunately spacing, they went and they bought all of Nortel's old patents. Now, Nortel was once the largest tech company in Canada, ran into the ground by by terrible management but it had a 60 to 70 year history from Northern Telecom to uh, to, to, to the uh, techno powerhouse that was Nortel Mm -hmm. then they closed down but all those, you know, that was years of innovation and years of patents as a matter of fact Northern Telecom was one of the world's first telephone companies so, and, oh, to, to, to add to their street cred, if I remember correctly, Nortel, um, their greatest innovation was the use of fiber optics to carry a digital signal. So, you can imagine the value of their patent collection. I mean, right right to the, to the end days of the company, they were, they were throwing huge money into research and development. So you can imagine the treasure trove of patents. Now, again, this isn't stuff that engineers can't figure out. They can all figure out how to do this, that, or whatnot. It's all about covering the method of how to do something. So if Google in their Android phone comes even close to how Apple or Oracle or uh, Microsoft would be doing something on their mobile devices, the... Patent treasure trove gives those other companies the right to slap at Google. So Google got all got their nose out of joint, and um, that one of their senior vice presidents and chief legal officer, David Drummond, wrote a blog post um, calling out the Nortel consortium for attempting to use bogus, bogus patents to destroy Androids or destroy androids. And a few seconds later, Brad Smith, Microsoft General Counsel, tweeted in response, Google says we bought Nortel patents to keep them from Google. Reading, really? We asked them to bid jointly with us. They said no. It gets weirder. You get Frank Shaw, head of communications for Microsoft, jumping in with his tweet, Free advice for David Drummond. Next time, check with Kurt Walker, another senior vice president at Google, before you blog." It gets sillier. The, the the blogs and the tweets go back and forth, and they've been going back and forth all morning long. Um, with Google looking like uh, a kid who really wanted to get his hand in the cookie jar, but the other kids just wouldn't let him. That's it. That's what amounts for news today, dude. <laughs> so, well, I mean, you know what? That that is that
2: even in a in a in a busier uh, a busier time, um, you know that that would be. That would be news. I mean, when when you get these these people going at each other, yeah, you called it kind of like uh, like sissies. Um, you know, that's that's always interesting, um, always fun. And thank you for uh, for the backstory. And I'm sure our our listeners are also also happy about that too. Now, over at uh, at WebPro News, um, as well, some some interesting well, an interesting article based on uh, on an analysis by Mark Ballard um, on the Yahoo Microsoft Search Alliance. Um, yes, which I saw is that. Uh, you saw that, and I mean to to me that's that's also a, a really interesting analysis coming out at, at about the right time. Like you know, I think there's been enough time going in there um, for you know Bing to make adjustments and Yahoo to make adjustments. Each of them for uh, you know adjusting what what's going on based on the specific user base at, at each of the at each of the engines. I mean you know we know that um, the ads that display on Yahoo, for example. Um, should be different than the ads that, that display on Bing simply because you're going to have a, a slightly different user base uh, appearing at each one. Um, but this deal does not seem to be going well um, for either party, as I guess you read the article, but for our listeners who didn't, um, doesn't appear to be going well for either one of them right now. Um, on the Microsoft side, it seems to be going uh, poorly simply because Bing is losing the money um, you know sort of uh quarter over quarter um which you know apparently they're willing to to take on as as part as they call in the article as part of a part of a larger strategy which is fair enough i mean we've we've known that and i mean you know they did a did a great job i mean you you, you sat down with uh with Jeremiah as, as i did and talked about the complexity of building this thing it's going to take time to to get there you know a few years after launch i'm sure you know Google wasn't making money hand over fist either. Um, they sure are now, though. Um, but, the, but Yahoo uh, is, is, is taking, uh, well, took, uh, took sort of a hit on this whole deal, and that didn't really overly surprise me, um, but that the degree and, and the reasons for it um, kind of are just in the inability um, for Bing to, to really be targeting the ads in right onto the Yahoo uh, search network. Um, you know that that is showing a real, real problem to me. On that, it, it reflects a huge problem to Bing standing on its own. Um, if well, they can't totally. display and, it, and then
1: think about this for a sec, Dave. They try to merge their networks, right? They try to merge their ad serving capabilities. Yep. It was all being run by uh, by Yahoo Search Marketing. Yep. But it was being run out of Redmond, like right. so. They they moved the machine up to Redmond from from uh, Silicon Valley. And then uh, for Microsoft, the big prize here was as much of a joke as Yahoo, as a corporation may be, they're still one of the largest content networks anywhere, ever. And so that's a lot of real estate to serve ads to. That's like, you think of Yahoo News, Yahoo Sports, Yahoo Finance, um, Flickr, just the whole game of Yahoo properties that you can you can stick advertising beside. Um, problem and, and this couldn't have been this really couldn't have been anticipated when they were making the deal. You have the rise of you have the rise of social media as display advertising platforms. Mm-hmm. That was that was going to be a, a a big plank for uh, a big a big pillar I should say in the in in this business arrangement. And, well, let's face it, a lot of the oomph has gone out of the pure search market. And user time is being spent, you know, over in uh, in social media. It's a different form of discovery. And, uh, you know, I'd say search is all about discovery, while social media is all about instant fulfillment desire. Where do you think the eyeballs are, golden, are going? And, you know... Given that Microsoft only owns like five percent of Facebook, has nothing to do with the Yahoo deal. Um, there's not a lot of profit to be made serving up paid ads on the Yahoo content network when the eyeballs are declining.
2: Well, you're right. You're right there. Um, and I mean, you, you bring up the uh, the Bing or, or Microsoft ownership of uh, of Facebook, which is is also an interesting thing. And you know that they're they're going to be um, you know proceeding forward. Uh, You know, who knows whether it would be Facebook specifically, but you know that all of the engines, not just Bing, um, has to be looking at at social media and trying to figure. out, I mean, we know Google is, um, you know, with the with the, the with G plus, but um, you know, looking towards this because you're you're right. It's it's a completely different type of search. I mean, you know, as as happens at every SES, and I know you sat on the panel. Is is SEO dead? Is search dead? Um, you know, definitely not. But I think you're right in that people are are viewing these things as different, and I think the opportunities um, via social media, Facebook specifically. Um, for advertisers is is much higher that ability to to target not search queries but demographics and grab people before they even know they 're looking for you that sort of you know candy bar at the checkout sort of philosophy to things um, and then creating the need before before it was even even anticipated um, gives social a, a significant advantage um, over search yeah, yeah. So, and so, so we 're
1: looking at the rise of social while, while trying to analyze the um Benefits of what was essentially a deal between two search entities. Right. Um, it's almost like these guys came along a year too late and weren't able to adapt under under the new paradigm. Um, you know, I mean, some some might argue. Oh, sorry. Oh no, it's, it's, go go for it. It's, some might argue I mean, that uh,
2: that in the case of Bing or or, or Microsoft. Um, that we we would have to go back and and that saying it was a year too late is is just a, a, a massive understatement, right? I mean they they could have been um, Google, right? I mean had they, they jumped on
1: it at, at the beginning. Yeah, they could have been a contender, but they aren't. Could um, <laughs> have been a contender. what it's worth, I mean like, we shouldn't say they aren't. One fifth of the global search market ain't nothing to sneeze at. And oh no, so those numbers, So any games, Microsoft slash. Uh, I should say Bing slash Yahoo are getting might not be coming from Google. They may, may be coming from AOL and from Ask, and it might just be incremental. But still, one fifth of billions is a lot of people. Well,
2: that's right. I mean, we're 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 in such a large ocean now that we talk about you know Bing uh, Bing declining or Yahoo this or uh, or whatnot as far as market share goes um and and it it does seem kind of silly when we look at it as percents yes it you know they may lose here they may lose there um but but you're right when we look at it as volume of search queries all of them are yeah, doing absolutely fantastic
1: and yeah you know what i i just picked up a client in the financial services section in canada i've seriously got to think about bing as a target engine knowing how um bing users tend to react more favorably to financial services sites than say Google users do. Mm-hmm. That may be the demographic who, who makes up Bing users. they you know tend to be older, more concerned about personal finance, etc. Um, I got to take that seriously. Um, just got a message from studio. It's quarter past the hour, and we actually have we have uh, Sean Rorick sitting on hold. Uh, I'd like to jump to commercial before bringing the Sean, but Before we go, I just, just want to shoot my company's horn a little bit. We just picked up a new client uh, last night. And it's fun who this one is. Royal Philatelic Society of Canada. So, uh, I'm the webmaster for the Queen's Stamp Club. <laughs> I think that's kind of cool.
2: That's kind of cool.
1: I, I think that's kind of cool. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's geek, I think it's geek cool. Um, Friends, you're listening to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. We're going to be joined by Sean Rorick, uh, chair and organizer of Digital World Expo, a conference that's happening in Las Vegas in late September. Stay tuned. We're going to have Sean coming up on Webcology after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology.
0: will be back after this short break.
1: As you know, being an expert at fk. What did she say?
2: Requires lots of practice and a great tool. Think you could use some help with fk? Whoa! You're not alone. Hundreds have used our tool to take their fk performance to the next level. The language! Of course, we're talking about managing Facebook ads on a Oh. Buy, track, manage, optimize, and report on media across all major ad networks.
1: Visit aquizio.com to get a demo today.
2: Aquizio. Search, social, display, one platform. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports.
0: eBrands.
2: Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators.
0: eBrands.
2: Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. Ebrands Let E-Brands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try E-Brands for 30 days. Go to ebrandswithaz.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's E-Brands with a Z for E-Brands.
0: All celebrity voices are impersonated. Example number 21 of dialogue you will never find in our chat room.
2: Hello, chat room. Look to your browser. Now back to me. Now back to your browser. Now back to me. Look down. Back up. I'm now sending you a JPEG to your keyboard. Me. The JPEG is now a flash banner. Everything is possible when you pay me to manage SEO for your website. I'm in a Ferrari.
0: Need we see more? The Webmaster chat room. Live in real time every day. Click on the chat tab from our homepage. Commercial's off. Now back to Webcology. Only on Webmaster Radio.fm. You're the host Jim Hedger and
1: Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology. Here on WebmasterRadio.fm. It's 18 minutes past the hour. Um as it's Jim Heddy from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO, and we're joined today by Sean Rorick, the uh, organizer, chair, and I guess, well, founder of Digital World Expo, running at the Mirage in Las Vegas from September 25th to the 27th. Sean, welcome to Webmaster Radio. Good
3: morning, guys. How you doing?
1: We're doing well. How are you doing? You're, you're, you're within six weeks of a large conference. You must be going nuts.
3: Yes, indeed. It's been very uh, a very interesting ride this whole time over the past uh, six to eight months that we've been working on this. The inception started about two years ago, and uh, it's funny because now every day it's just getting to be more and more and more intense. So uh, we're in the fun time now.
1: Now, uh, par- pardon my ignorance, but is this um, is this your first conference?
3: No, we've uh, organized a couple of other you know events, but it was always just I'd say it probably max out around two hundred or two hundred fifty people. Uh, never really of this magnitude, um, but fortunately, you know, Vegas has a lot of resources that I've come to know through my, you know, professional career path over the past, you know, 10 years that, uh, you know, I have kind of some access to and, um, you know, other individuals, they're able to kind of help out and provide, um, you know, help with our needs. So, um, we definitely have the capacity out here these days, um, you know, for another show and, um, you know, we're basically able to tap those resources to alleviate any, you know, concerns that we wouldn't be able to handle a large crowd, so.
1: Oh, well, no, you're. I mean, you're, you're, the show is at the Mirage, and uh, a lot of our audience is, is pretty familiar with, uh, with Vegas from, you know, conferences over the years. Amazing facilities, uh, inexpensive, inexpensive accommodation, reasonably uh, inexpensive food, um, and a huge amount of fun. What's the... Uh, What's the focus here? What's the focus of uh, Digital World Expo?
3: So, Digital World Expo was created to satisfy the need um, of ongoing education in today's uh, digital for today's digital media professional. Um, you know, the intervals between technological advancements and new opportunities for advertising are happening a, with a lot less time in between. It's really difficult for people in their careers, or you know, what they have to do with media uh, planning and. Uh, marketing executions to stay on top of everything that's going on out there um, when you're mixing your tactics with digital media or technology, and so one of the things we're looking to satisfy is um, the need basically to stay on top of it all. And so we've put out the effort to go ahead and put across um, about 34 different uh, classes that cover, you know, all those channels and then some. So the first element, you know the conference was designed for was the education side. And those education classes will be held in both fundamental and advanced level formats. So about one-third of the classes are going to go and kind of try to hit more of the fundamentals because what's happened over the years is that you've had a lot of traditional offline media um, you know, practitioners that are spending all their time, let's just say, on outdoor or television broadcast advertising, and now they're finding the need to really get into digital because they can't just say to people, you know, hey, go talk to Sean, he's our web guy, or go talk to Dave, you know, he's our internet marketing guy. It's not segmented like that as much anymore. And these professionals, everybody needs to have some level of understanding, you know, in online in order to, you know, create the right strategy or make the appropriate decisions for the company objectives. So we decided to go ahead and kind of take a step back and focus really on some of the fundamentals. And then for all of us that have been doing this, let's just say, for five-plus years that are really into it on top of everything, the advanced-level classes will give us those additional insights into new or emerging media that's out there and best practices to go ahead and approach them you know, in a you know, the way you need to for your company. And you know, it'll help answer the question, does this channel make sense for my company? What's the cost level expectation to jump in? Um, you know, what kind of ROI or returns am I going to see if this is done correctly? You know, all those questions are going to be answered for people. So that's the education side. Then there's the new opportunity side with our exhibit hall, you know, and some of our sponsors. These are a lot of them are new companies that are just kind of, you know, fresh in the space, have opened up over the past couple of years, and they're looking to, you know, garner more marketers and advertising budgets. Um, so that'll help find those new opportunities. And the third element, finally, is the. Um, the future. A lot of the discussions will be held in the classes, um, you know, particularly like around different channels that have been out there for a while, such as search, um, you know, or, or digital or display advertising. You know, we're going to be talking about the future and how those are going to evolve over time. And our keynotes specifically are going to spend half of their keynotes, um, their keynote sessions, speaking about what their belief is going to be, or is right now today, as far as where we're going to head over the next 10 to 20 years. So it'll be really interesting to find these, you know, high-level, you know, um, executives. Uh, taking the last 10 years, 10 to 15 years of their tenure in the space, and really projecting themselves out there as far as what they expect to see over the next 10 to 20, and how that's going to shape our environment as consumers, you know, and marketing professionals. So those three areas of are what the conference was designed to cover, um, and and those needs that uh, you know are apparent out there in today's professional.
2: So it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to hear that somebody try and predict the next uh, the next 10 to yeah. 20 years when. Uh, it's, it's been interesting trying to trying to predict you know the next six to eighteen months down the road uh, here in the online world these days. But um, that, that'll definitely be interesting. And fortunately, I'm going to be there, so I'll be able to catch these uh, these keynotes. And um, there's some absolutely great speakers. One of the things, and and from what I know, and and maybe I'm wrong. You you have an interesting um, mechanism or, or philosophy towards this. And one of the things that I, I found has been an issue for some people at, at conferences isn't, isn't the conferences when when a few things are going on at a time how do you know how do people know which things are, are going to best suit what they're trying to get from a conference so which classes should they attend which sessions should they attend do you have a sort of how would you help people i guess how, how do you steer people um... to which which classes they should be attending
3: sure I've- I personally had that problem in the past because, you know, sometimes these conferences, you know, all you have is a title or a session topic name to go by. You don't have much of a description. And then other times, you know, I'll want to go to two classes that happen to be offered, you know, in sessions that happen to be offered at the same time. You know, so it's difficult to sit there and, you know, um, really channel and say, okay, well, where can I get the most value out of this? Where's my time best spent? So one of the things that we did was after organizing all these, um, you know, sessions and topics and classes, we really took a to look, look at the various backgrounds of people that would be attending the show and what their needs are um, to be fulfilled as far as what they need to get out of it. We took all those sessions and we organized them into, I believe, it's over a dozen different itineraries. So our itinerary creation tool, what what that allows you to do is you can go to the site and find the itinerary creation tool and basically select who you are as a person as far as what your background is, what's your role for the company or for your profession, or if you're a consultant, what do you specialize in? You go ahead and input that into the box and it generates your itinerary for you, the best one that will give you the most, you know, value as far as the education side, the exhibit hall experience, it builds in some free time for you to, you know, network and that sort of thing as well. And we've gotten a lot of use to that. Like a lot of our, you know, attendees, they see, they're just overwhelmed by all these cool classes, you know, that they might see or that they really want to attend. And that's really helped them, helped steer them to get a really good, um, efficient itinerary during their stay.
2: Now, we also had a, had a chat really, really briefly uh, before the show, and we were just calling to, to do, uh, do a quick confirmation, um, and you talked about something unique that you're going to be doing with your stage, um, and I didn't let you continue too far because I have a habit, as, as Jim knows, of finishing conversations before the show's even on, so, um, but uh, tell our listeners, what are you going to be doing with your stage that they have probably uh, not seen at previous conferences?
3: Well, one of the things that we were looking at is we have a stage, you know, I went ahead and put it into the Exhibit Hall floor plan, um, kind of thinking along the lines of, okay, we'll have some specialty acts come in, you know, because it is Las Vegas, you need to have a certain degree of entertainment there, and, you know, but after a while I was thinking that, you know, we really need to stick to what the core, you know, um, is of the show, what the spirit of, you know, our digital media and digital world environment is um, for all the attendees. I mean, that's what they're there to learn, that's what they're there to experience, so with the rise of all these new media channels and new companies coming up today, um, and, you know, in our efforts to kind of stay on top of it all, which is virtually impossible, we decided to kind of open that stage and make it an open mic. This is something that we just came up with over like the last week. So we are going to be uh, scampering you know, to basically pull this together because there's going to be a lot of interest in this. But over the next six weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to organize the stage and the open mics. Um, we're going to allow these companies their opportunity to get in front of this crowd of decision makers, managers, buyers, influencers to talk about, you know, their technology that they developed or their new advertising, you know, strategy that they, that their company specializes in. Um, Basically giving them 10 to 15 minutes to go and talk about just that. Um, The exhibit hall is free. So a lot of, you know, these individual companies, like they can, you know, bring their supporters out there, you know, and basically have that experience in front of a crowd. Um, but we felt that, you know, just so we can kind of help the communities and the startup companies and these companies that might not have enough money to afford a sales force or afford to, you know, come out or travel to different cities all the time, this would be their opportunity to come in um, to go ahead and, and basically do a pitch for their, what, they are, what services they provide or products that they have.
1: Sean, this may be a, uh, uh, a bit of a stretch of a question, but let's, let's go back to the bedrock. You decided to organize a new conference, um, assumably this is going to be a, um, annual or more frequent affair. Um, how do you go about this? How do you, how do you start from ground zero and build a conference series?
3: Well, you know, everything starts with inception, right? So, you know, you kind of think about, um, you know, everybody looks at things and say, oh, it'd be cool if we did this, or it'd be cool if we did that, you know, but, Really, when it comes to putting you know, pen to paper and uh, rolling up your sleeves and doing it, you have to make sure that there's a need out there that needs to be fulfilled or that you don't feel is currently being satisfied. A lot of the conferences that are out there have kind of stuck to the same um, templated um, experience over the years, and they've been out there from anywhere from 8 to 12 years. And they've grown up with the same crowd and everything. And over time, over the past, I'd say, 5 to 6 years, I've started, you know, heard some rumblings about, you know, some folks that don't attend, let's just say, the classes anymore. They just go for the exhibit hall or they just go for the networking. And I think that what it comes down to is reshaping the way we approach um, the attendees and the value add, that we, the valuable uh, opportunities they have at these actual classes. So, you know, when we started thinking about it, we started thinking, okay, what are all the different things that we've experienced ourselves over the past and what have our peers said? How can we create this to be open source to really answer that need, you know, for what people are, you know, coming to us with? Once you go ahead and kind of orchestrate and roadmap out your, you know, curriculum and the experience, then you find out, you try to go out and find the resources it's going to take to put this together. Whether it be financing, whether it be the venues, um, whether it be the schedule, the timing, you know, what other conferences are happening out there, who do you not want to overlap with, you know, um, and that sort of thing. And once you figure it all those out, then you actually go ahead and put your team together and start building it. And the, our team assembly started back um, in March this year. Pretty much it was myself and a couple of other people that were loosely organizing things or planning it out, I should say, um, for the past couple of years. But we actually knew we would have a seven-month time frame where we actually start going ahead and, you know, laying the foundation and, uh, you know, setting up our office places and our office space, you know, and then starting the promotion and the content and all that stuff, you know. So that stuff's been going on specifically over the past, you know, I'd say since earlier this year. Um, But everything up to that was all been planning and, you know, discussion and that sort of thing to make sure we were on the right track. And one thing that's really helped us out a lot, and I did this early on, was I established an external advisory um, board, and what this is is a group of you know font leaders, um, a group a group of um, you know folks that go to conferences quite a bit. They specialize in different areas of media, and what we we have these calls probably about once a month with them. And now they're going to be moving to bi weekly now that we're only about seven weeks out from the show. But what's great about having a, a forum like that is you it kind of lets the person. Such as myself that's putting the entire thing together like the event share that makes a lot of the decision stuff it keeps them on track because there's some things i would throw out to that group and they would say well that doesn't make sense because you said this before you know and it kind of keeps you in check because the person you know that's kind of pulling in and sees everything from a bird's eye perspective really needs to stay on track and, and make sure that you know that information that or the information it takes to make sure these things are executed properly flows down you know and to everybody else, you know, accurately, so they can't change direction. So they've really helped me keep on track from the original proposal, proposal that needs to be fulfilled. And so as long as you have that track you're staying on and it's it's a straightaway, then really it's just a lot of work, uh, you know, to go ahead and execute. Um, we're, you know, and I think that um, we're actually going to be, it'll be going into probably about 18-hour days, I would say, for the two weeks leading up to the event itself. So,
2: <laughs> I know Jim can, uh, can probably uh, sympathize, Jim. I know you've... You've been uh, you've been in there in in the trenches and in trying to get get a conference together um, and a and a successful one as well. Um, so I, I'm sure you sympathize. But one question I, ha- I have to ask here is is looking through the agenda. Um, there's a lot of things that look different than one might see at uh, at a standard uh, standard conference. The ones you'd normally you know think of in in this industry. You know at SES, SMX, PubCon, stuff like that. Um, it seems to be a much sort of broader view, which I think is is reflected uh you know in, in the target audience that this is geared for um but how did you select the specific classes that you were you were going to be going in with and and then how do you select or or how did you go about selecting the speakers for each of these different uh different class types
3: mm-hmm. um, that was a actually a fun process um you know again. Myself, um, I also chair the Las Vegas Interactive Marketing Association. I know a lot of the other chairmen and cheerleaders across the country and different, you know, associations like this out there. And one of the things, like I said, we noticed, um, or like I said before about the offline media individual, the offline media budgets out there still consume the majority of budget. I mean, let's face it, we still don't garner the majority of advertising dollars when it comes to a digital placement or, you know, advertisers, we might have as clients and that sort of thing. But... The interesting thing is is a lot of offline media professionals have been joining these interactive media associations in order to learn and understand some of the concepts that are discussed or to network with other professionals that are specialists in this space. Well, unless we uh, basically take the time to educate and train these um, newbies, let's just call them, you know, to our space that are really trying to understand it, they're never going to feel comfortable about, you know, helping to facilitate more and more advertising dollars towards, you know, our digital arena, the more they do understand, the easier it is for them to make decisions. And they can understand technologies. They can understand, you know, the tracking. They can understand the analytics. And so, therefore, they feel more confident and more comfortable saying, okay, Mr. Publisher, I'll go ahead and spend this much money on you because it makes sense for my audience. And here's how we're going to target them. Here's how I'm going to drive ROI. You know, here's how, you know, what you guys are going to do for us. They understand it a lot more. So, in essence, a lot of the folks that pitch services and products and that sort of thing Need to spend less time with them, educating them, and more time focused on what services they're trying to sell. So there's kind of by educating this group of people, um, there is kind of a utilitarianism in the sense that it's going to facilitate a better economy for all of us. You know, that work in digital media and digital advertising and marketing, et cetera. So that's why one third of the classes you might look at that and say, Yeah, I don't really see these offered out there and it's because I don't think there's a lot off the, out there, you know, at these general at these conferences, larger ones you're speaking of, that you know, hit this individual and make sure they facilitate that for them. So one third of the classes are going to be focused on things such as the basics of SEO, you know, basics of analytics. But then of course, all of us that have a passion for this space that spend a lot of time in it and working it every day, we want to understand the advanced Um, elements out there. We want to understand the emerging media because these are things that have just come up over the past couple of years that might not have, you know, a really good tenure that, you know, has a lot of, you know, um, manuals and stuff like that and educational sessions out there. So what we've done is we've taken a lot of these emerging media concepts and, uh, you know, placements and new strategies and broken them down to a step-by-step best practices um, format. So even if someone has not engaged in mobile marketing yet, they can come in and learn all the different facets of mobile and then how each of those individual facets, whether it be apps or your website or, you know, SMS, how those are set up, you know, how much of the cost, can I do it myself, is this something that should get outsourced to another provider, you know, what are the programming modules that go into this, you know, what's my technological understanding as far as, you know, how it is tracked, you know, and what's the expectation as far as return. You know, those are all newer, you know, marketing channels, and I think that as we all try to approach these things, um, it's going to save us a lot of time to kind of understand a lot of these other things rather than us trying to find it out on our own independently. So, that, like I said, the two-thirds of the classes are oriented towards the advanced or the emerging media um, type of topics. So and you just mentioned the speakers. Over, over the years, over the past 15 years, um, you know, in this space, or 16 years I should say, I've gotten to know a lot of folks out there from different conferences or panels that I've been on or other conference leaders, you know, that are out there that, you know, have their specialties. So it wasn't um, too difficult to reach out and find them and bring them in because a lot of times someone might have started out, let's just say in just general display advertising, and now they specialize more in you know the behavioral um, look alike modeling, you know that sort of thing as far as placements. So I kind of followed them through, you know like LinkedIn or you know Facebook that type of thing and reached out to them and pulled them in. And then we've also just gotten some great submissions from individuals that happen to be specialists in a space. So over time, what we've done is, we as the classes would fill up. We kind of, you know, put it out to, you know, different groups such as our advisory board and that sort of thing, saying, okay, these are the classes we're willing to do filled with specialists. Once we get submissions or once we get someone that's interested in speaking, I personally get on the phone with them and discuss back and forth, you know, kind of just so I get an idea of who the person is. Because at the end of the day, it needs to be someone that can teach these things and give the hands-on instructional-based guidelines to the attendees because that's what they're going to find out. That's what they're there for. They're, get, they're there to get these key takeaways. Because, you know, when you put together these classes, you want to make sure that it's not going to speak too general. And that's why I feel like a lot of panels that are out there, I think, that's a, I think the panels are an easy path. To put together, because you know the conference, you know leaders basically say, you know, well, I can go ahead and put this person together, and they will be entertained, and they'll definitely get some insights from these specialists. You know, it's great, but it's a little bit easier than you know putting together. Like here, the key takeaways, and these are the specific tool sets you're going to have when you leave this show, and you get back to your desk the next day, so you'll know what to do next. And that way, you know, by focusing on those key takeaways and making sure that your speakers are the ones that can deliver those and specialize in these areas then you're ensured that everybody's going to get the value that you're proposing you know, with the content for attendees.
1: Okay. Um, Sean, we're going to have to ask you to stick around for a few minutes. On that, we're going to have to take a quick break here on Webcology on webmasterradio.fm, friends. It's, uh, well, it's 22 the hour. You're listening to Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davis from Beanstalk SEO. We're joined by Sean Rorick, uh, chair of Digital World Expo, running the September 25th, 27th at the Mirage in Las Vegas. We're going to be back with Sean in a few moments. Stay tuned. Back after these messages.
0: Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Our clients have earned over $1 billion. Now it's your turn. With over 20,000 products to promote across a huge variety of niches, ClickBank provides countless ways for any affiliate to make money Ascend into new heights of ranking and revenue with a search engine-friendly online shopping cart that's ready for liftoff. Introducing a sender Cart. AscenderCart. Cart optimizes your
2: shopping cart with easy-to-use SEO tools that will help build keywords, titles, and tags for top search engine rankings. Get all of the advantages of having a shopping cart on your site and monitor your progress with regular reports in just a click. Prepare to launch your shopping cart to the top of the search engines with Ascender Cart. Learn more about what Ascender Cart can do for you at AscenderCart.com. A S C E N D E R
1: C A R T.com. MySEOTool.com is your all in one SEO management resource. MySEOTool.com makes it easy to optimize and oversee all of your SEO efforts. Line-by-line detailed reports help you identify any problems and show you how to fix them. MySEOTool.com is completely automated. Once you use it, you will see a rise in your search rankings and traffic. Try MySEOTool risk-free today. Go to MySEOTool.com. MySEOTool.com.
0: Hi, this is your most humble producer, Brasco, inviting you to join me at the one place where I love to rant and rave with all of you. Well, yes, I do that on Facebook, but I'm talking about the WebmasterRadio.fm chat room. Chat with yours truly and listen to our live stream with our merry band of webmasters. Click on the chat tab and I'll see you in the chat. Off now. Back to WebCology only on
1: WebmasterRadio.fm. You are the host, Jim Hedger and Dave Hey everyone, welcome back to WebCology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. We're rounding out the hour with Sean, Rod- with Sean Rorick, the uh, chair and founder of Digital World Expo. And before we jump back into the interview, I just gotta say, uh, our producer George—he sounds so friendly in that. He sounded so friendly in that last spot. He's a taskmaster. He's not that friendly at all. Hey, just, uh, just let the audience know that. Hey, how dare you? How dare I? I just dared.
0: Don't you? No, no, no.
1: Don't it. you wait?
0: Till you now? Now wait till you get me over to San Fran. You better be there. I'm going to confront you.
1: <laughs> We're going to have a face off, my friend. Well, you know, one of the face Francisco.
0: Beware coming south of the border, my friend. You just started. There is going to be <laughs> one
1: hell of a face-off in San Francisco, and we're calling it Search Bash. Yeah. Um, before we jump back into the interview, uh, a conference that's actually coming up before Digital World Expo is SES, San Francisco slash Connected Marketing Week. And that's taking place from the um, 16th to the uh, 21st. Uh, Brass, before we jump in really quickly, let's give a quick plug for Search Bash.
0: Actually, August 15th through the 19th, Search Bash itself is on Tuesday the 16th. I believe it's uh, open, doors open 9 o'clock at 1015 Folsom. It's a big three-tier nightclub. I mean, you know, fill as many of SES attendees as you want. Um, we'll definitely have a lot of drinks pouring out there. We'll have entertainment. You'll get to see all of our sponsors being put out really big. Symantec, CrowdSource, and Aquizio are sponsoring the event We'll have other sponsors to name very soon, and you can RSVP now at searchbash.com. Click on San Francisco and RCP as soon as you can so you can make it to the door.
1: Okay, Sean, sorry about that, brother. We did have to plug the uh, Search Engine Strategy show happening in uh, San Francisco in two weeks. Um, but I want to jump back to Digital World Expo. I'm looking at your agenda right now. You have... Four major tracks: audience and advertising, creative and development, new media, and ROI/slash measurement. When you were planning the uh, planning the conference, were you afraid a little bit of of of, of did you? It's a, it's a very general topic. Were you kind of afraid of losing focus in uh, selecting in selecting and scheduling classes?
3: You know, it's easy to uh, it's easy to lose focus when you get in the trenches of this, um, and you don't keep that you know bird's eye view. And you know, you want to make sure that you cover you know uh, you know some informational tool sets for every different type of background person, individual out there. Um, you know, and a lot of things that are happening is um, you know you also see a lot of uh, digital media professionals and advertisers and stuff starting to really have you know taking you know shape as far as. Um, not from a development perspective, but really get more involved with, you know, the actual um, creation of, you know, development, creation of advertising, creation of the assets, because they're starting to understand the formats that are out there more. So, you know, your advertiser might have, like, this general message they want to put out there, and now that they understand you know, the different formats that they need to have in order to make this messaging, you know, applicable and to reach these audiences and to have, you know, the reach they're looking for. You know, they need to be part of that development process to make sure that those formats are addressed. So that's why you see a little bit of stuff going into more of the creative and development side because we've noticed the propensity of, you know, just media people by themselves, you know, needed to know more information about this in order to, you know, be more efficient with their, you know, practices. You know, notice side of the fence is ROI, you know, and measurement. Um, you know, when you look at, you know, interactive... Um, rates as far as you know new analytics that kind of come on the scene over the past few years you know these are all you know tools and measurements that brand managers for instance would you know need to know in order to understand the audience interactive interactivity and engagement with their brand when they do branding campaigns let's just say so you know when you when I had created those four different tracks for people to participate in you know it was supposed to you know basically really convey kind of what category that specific class would be in and how it satisfies more of an overall you know component of, you know, knowledge base that you have as you go throughout your workday.
1: So you have had a long and uh, well, fairly extraordinary career. I'm, I'm just reading off your bio on the Digital World Expo site. You've worked as interactive marketing director for Cox Communication, MGM Resorts, Win Resorts, Cirque du Soleil. If you were going to Digital World Expo, which tracks would be most important to you in your role as a uh, interactive marketing director?
3: Well, I think that, um, you know, when you're an interactive marketing director, you you know, it depends really on where your core focus is, you know, when you... Your focus is ROI, obviously you're going to have more intensity towards, you know, things that are going to generate revenue, you know, in sales, you know, in e-commerce situations or m-commerce for that matter. Um, You know, so of course you're going to be looking for things like that. If you're in a more of a branding, you know, role, like let's say you had like a new product launch or a show launch or, you know, you're opening a new property, well, then obviously you would want to be, you know, more along the lines of the creative um, applications that are out there and reaching advertising and audience because that would be more satisfactory to your brand intentions. Uh, interactive marketing directors, you know I think that from that perspective, they need to have, have some knowledge base as far as they don't necessarily get their hands dirty and actually do a lot of the um, you know I should say uh, like social media for instance they wouldn't be the ones necessarily to always be doing the social media execution, but they would definitely be the ones to make the social media decisions and strategy on how it was going to be executed and who was going to do it and how much time they're going to put into it those sort of things so there is you know, a need for the director level to understand a lot of the technologies and new things that are out there today so they can kind of say, okay, this makes sense as far as overall strategy for our company. Um, you know, middle management, um, coordinators, those are the folks that will, you know, really want to know not just how to, how to do things or the hands-on of things, but basically, you know, what the expectations are as far as how long it takes to do things or the components they need to actually, you know, get their hands dirty because they're most likely going to be specialized in that specific area. You know, and if you wanted to, you could take it all the way up the chain further and go to you know, executive and C-level, I mean, a lot of times the decisions that aren't made up top are because of a lack of understanding. You know? And like a lot of those folks you know, that sit in those positions, um, in some cases, you know, they, they you know, have been around for a while and they didn't grow up with the Internet like, like we did perhaps in our age you know, bracket. So it's tough for them to be confident and behind decisions for new media or new opportunities because maybe they don't quite understand them by attending these classes they might not necessarily need to know the how to but they will definitely understand the why and Excellent. you know what makes sense
2: well and understanding the why is well is the first step to understanding properly the how-to right. if, uh, if you do want to proceed forward and as you, as you find which specific niches are, are, are going to best suit your role in, uh, in whichever company you're with. One of the big takeaways that I always get whenever I'm, I'm attending these things, um, classes are great, sessions are great. Um, you know, getting that, getting that information firsthand from, from, you know, generally a, a group of people or, or some people that you really respect, um, is fantastic. But one of the big takeaways I think that almost everybody gets from, from these things, uh, is through some of the the networking and the people that you meet, and maybe some of the stuff that takes place between sessions or or, or after hours. Um, I notice you have you have some fairly packed days, but it looks like there's actually you know some sort of dedicated time to networking. Sure. What opportunities are there going to be um, at this conference for those sorts of things, where where for the meet and greets for people to have a chance to interact and and maybe do business outside of of the actual classes.
3: Specifically, as far as venue and location, that's still um, kind of under wraps. We're looking to announce that a few weeks out uh, when we get closer to the dates. Um, I can say that it will be in unique environments. Um, the other thing that we want to do is focus on the ambience and the overall presentation of this conference, and make it not just something people go to, but something they experience every single minute they're there. I think that you know the exhibit hall itself just the look and feel of it and the way the environment is around you needs to reflect the spirit of our space, you know, and the entrepreneurial thought, the creativity, you know, that goes into it. We're not, the exhibit hall is not going to be your standard fluorescent lights beaming down on a bunch of square booths. The exhibit hall is going to be dim lights. You're going to have some house music playing. You're going to have a cash bar in the middle. We're basically going to take a lot of these you know, standard, um, you know, conferences and stuff like that that are out there as far as their atmospheres, and mix it more with a, you know, atmosphere that's conducive to creative thought and conversation. Um, I think that each conference, you know, whatever, in order to maintain, you know, a certain level of respect and standards, you know, amongst themselves and their attendees, needs to somehow make sure that the experience you go to each year is a little bit different. Um, You know, the takeaways, you know, still, you know, be in there for everybody as far as the education side. But the overall experience needs to be, um, you know, a little bit different each year just to kind of, you know, ensure that people are going to have a unique experience. Because, again, we go back to what you guys were saying before, like what goes into putting together concepts. And I said they're recognized for a need. I think there's a need for attendees going to shows to, you know, feel like they're going to have a different experience every couple of years. You know, the show needs to kind of keep pace. It needs to reinvent itself and, make sure it provides that atmosphere and expectation and, you know, holds that bar, you know, with uh, attendees and doesn't just kind of do the same thing all the time. Um, So that's one proposition in the, you know, networking and stuff is that the exhibit hall itself will be a networking-like session. So we want people talking, we want conversation, we want, you know, creative thought, we want strategy, you know, comparisons going on and stuff like that. Um, But as far as, you know, after hours and those sort of things, we do have a, you know, cocktail reception the Sunday evening before the show. Um, which is probably a little dangerous to do right before you start your show at 8 o'clock in the morning in Vegas. But, uh, you know, that's, that's the other thing, too. I mean, I'm not, I'm not so concerned about attendees, you know, getting distracted by Vegas, because that's what I've heard a lot of show owners that are out here. It doesn't, it's not necessarily just shows in our space, but across the board. They're always reluctant to kind of, you know, have them, like, right near the casinos and stuff like that, because they're afraid to lose attendees. But, for us, I mean, I think as long as we're delivering, you know, on the promise of, you know, giving these tool sets to people so they can take away, you know, if they want to attend half the sessions they the day and they happen to get distracted by a lunch or something like that with some other business association, you know, that's, that's fine, you know, with us. We want to encourage that, you know, social activity. We want to encourage that networking. Um, you know, so we have the cocktail mixer you know Sunday evening, then on Monday evening what we decide to do is absolutely nothing. We're gonna have a couple of classes that evening for people that really are, you know, there to you know basically get every piece of information they possibly can. But we've kinda of let that one be open because we know a lot of those relationships and stuff that'll be formed, you know, during that initial day or at the cocktail mixer the night before, they might all want to meet up again or, you know, have their social time, that sort of thing. We wanted to put all of our effort into actual actually the party at the end. Because I feel like the way um, it's really important on the energy level that you have for people that are exiting the show because that's most likely kind of the atmosphere and, you know, uh, feeling that they're going to remember after they get back to the office the next day. So we're focusing on having, a, you know, all of our efforts towards the real big social mixer um, happening at the end of the conference on Tuesday evening. And that will be in a unique environment. I uh, can't really say what it is yet, but uh, but it's, it's, it's to come. Okay,
1: well, Sean Rorick... Um founder, and uh, chair of Digital World Expo. I'm afraid we're, we're out of time here on uh, on Webcology. Friends, uh, Digital World Expo is running September 25th, 27th, 2011, Las Vegas. You can still register for the conference. Go to digitalworldexpo.com. Up in the uh, top right corner, it's registration button. Get yourself registered, get yourself on the list, and get yourself to that conference. Uh, Sean Rorick, thank you so much for spending time with us on Webcology today.
3: Thanks a for having me, guys. appreciate it.
1: Best of luck with the conference, and we'll see you in Vegas.
3: Sounds good. See you guys out here.
1: Uh, Friends, that was Sean Rorick, the, uh, again, founder and coordinator of Digital World Expo. Our good friend, uh, Christine Sachinger is uh, helping organize this show as well. Dave, you're going to be speaking at Digital World Expo. Dave? Anyone? Oh, no, I think I'm alone. Oh. Okay. It looks, like, uh, it looks like Dave has has bailed, has bailed off or, the phone. Or he has um, the mute on. He's got mute on and doesn't so. realize it. I love live radio. Okay, Fred. <laughs> <just> <laughs> all right, all right, out. I'm back. <laughs> he's back. Dave, you're going to be speaking at Digital World Expo, but I'm afraid that we've uh, kind of run out of time for your response. It's um, five minutes to the hour. We've got to go to news here on webmasterradio.fm. So on behalf of Dave Davies from... Beanstalk SEO, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Stay tuned to Webmaster Radio. we got some great content coming up after the news.